Well, hello there, and thanks for tuning in to HC Conversations, a podcast where we have discussions around faith, life, politics, and more, and how to navigate those things as a follower of Jesus. You'll also find audio from weekly messages at Hope Community. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. Let's jump in. Hey, welcome back to HC Conversations. We are continuing a series we've been in talking about some of the issues that people have with the Christian faith that oftentimes will cause people to deconstruct or deconvert. Um, and we're just trying to, to look at those as best as we can and see why they're not necessarily uh, issues. So a lot of it stems back to just the way that uh, they were taught, not actually what's really there. And today, we're on the highway to hell. That's right. Because right. hell is for real. Hell. <laughs> hell. God is real. Hell is hot. Repent. Right? Yeah. I was just playing off the, the book and the movie, Heaven is for Real. Heaven is for Real. Hell is for Real. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about hell. Um, so this ought to be a fun episode. This is a, an issue that a lot of people have with the Christian faith. The idea of, okay, if God is so loving, if he is so good, how can God send, um, a good and loving God send people off to burn forever and ever and ever and ever and ever? Um, eternal suffering and torment and just awfulness right because that's just not very very loving it's incompatible with the character of god or so we say so a lot of people walk away then because well that means if god sends people to hell then he's clearly not very loving right like i like the i can't believe in a god who would and then phrase that however you will and a lot of that actually has to do with and it'll be coupled with the um, the line of thinking also then, like, well, what about people that have never heard the gospel? What about people who have never heard of the message of Jesus? They have no idea about this God, um, and he's just going to send them to, like, burn forever because they had the misfortune of being born someplace in the world that's not predominantly Christian and no missionaries have made it there or whatever. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think a lot of times Christians will just try to dance around that. We don't really want to, like, really address that because no. it makes us uncomfortable. So we're like, well, um, uh, you know, he's, he's God. Don't question him. Um, or we'll point to, like, uh, the passage in Romans. I think it's in Romans where Paul's like, you know, God's invisible attributes have been made known to people. Uh, so they're Right, talking about just natural revelation yeah, of God so people are, creation. are without uh, excuse, and the law of God is written on their hearts. So we're like, see, it says so right there, and we just kind of dismiss it. Um, and hand. that's complete Western thinking, because yes. whenever you stop to think about it, if you're raised in a completely different culture, and you, know, you have a, a certain way of viewing creation, you have a certain religious framework that you look at the world and you're like, oh yeah, my God did this or my God or the gods did that and not the Christian God. Right. Um, and so for us to say, well, yeah, you just automatically God's, you know, evidence is plain. Right. Well, to us who have been trained to think with a Christian mind, yeah, we can see Mm -hmm. that stuff, but like, Oh, look at that beautiful sunset. There must be a God. Whereas somebody else is like, Oh, look at that beautiful sunset. There must be one of the many gods that we worship. Right. So anyway, um, we're going to talk about hell. And um, this ought to be fun. We're going to right. tackle some different uh, aspects of really how we've gotten this wrong. Uh, but let's start here. And this is this may be different than a lot of people would think, right? Like hell is actually, I don't even like, let's, let's not use the term hell. Because that, that automatically puts images into our mind that we're going to unpack later. But um, the idea that God will punish evil is a good thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, if we, we maybe want to wrap the term hell around that, but like just the idea that God will not let evil go unpunished is a good thing. 
Um, so there's a, there's a book called The Problem of God written by Mark Clark. Um, it's a very good book. You should pick it up and read it. Um, don't agree with everything that's written in there, but there's a lot of really, really good stuff. Uh, he talks about this because this is such a Western way of thinking, of our objection. You know, if God is good, if God is just, if God is loving, how can there be a hell? And that is pretty much just a result of the culture that we live in. He says this, when you get outside of the Western world, um, you learn that some people have the exact opposite feelings about hell and about God's judgment. They see the evil that people commit, and they wonder how God could be just if there isn't a hell, and if it isn't some sort of extreme judgment against evil, right? right? So we say, how could God be good and loving and just if there is a hell? Other people in different cultures would say, how could he be good and loving and just if there isn't? How could he let those things, you know, go unpunished? Um, And it's just interesting, because we're going to talk about uh, pain and suffering and evil next week, one of the arguments that oftentimes will be levied against Christianity or, or the God of, uh, of, you know, the Bible is that, you know, if, if God is so good, if he's so loving, how can, like, how can these horrible things, like, he just let them happen and let them go unpunished? Mm-hmm. And, and then at the same time, some people will say that, like, well, but how can there be a hell? It's like, well, it, you can't have both of those. Right. Because he won't let those things go unpunished. It may just not be when we want it and in the way that we want it. Um, but God is absolutely good and just. So the idea of a some sort of a punishment, and we're going to get into that a little bit, is is necessary. Exactly. Yeah, because you can't have justice and righteousness without uh, evil and wickedness being punished, right. without there being consequences for that. Right. And we long for that, right? There's something in inside of humans that when we see some sort of evil being um, committed or, or someone being harmed, we're like, somebody like that ha- like, you can't just let them off like somebody right. has to pay for that yep. like evil has to be punished and so that really ultimately is the idea of what we would call hell or um again just this idea of punishment from god that is that's going to come that is ultimately to to rid the world of the evils that we see mm-hmm. right because it wasn't supposed to be like this and, and the story playing out is someday it won't be like this. And so God won't eternally let his good world be corrupted by, you know, evil and destruction and pain. So it, he's got to get rid of it. And that's where we kind of get into this, this topic of, of hell. Right. Um, because as, as we said before, uh, hell is all about justice. Um, I just ask the, the people living, you know, in a village in Africa um, where, you know, somebody was recently abducted by another tribe um, and forced to to be a sex slave to somebody. Do you think that those people would have a problem with the idea of hell where the people that committed that crime would be punished? No, they would they would be all for that. Right. A lot of times it comes down to then we want to kind of define what's good and evil, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, we're like, well, of course, you know, that person needs to be punished, but you know, the things that I do, you know, that's fine. Right. <laughs> um, that's where a lot of that comes from. Let's talk about, I guess, maybe um, some of the misconceptions around the idea of hell. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it comes from a misunderstanding of language, um, a misunderstanding of, like, the greater, like, the broader narrative of Scripture, um, and, and just the way that the concept of hell is talked about and the way it's been developed throughout history. Right. So uh, first, I mean, the Bible isn't as concerned about hell as what we no, are. No, it's not at all. We have an obsession in Western culture with with hell. Yeah, uh, well, and it, heaven. heaven too. And um, 
I think it's Tim Mackey. I heard him in a lecture say this, like we're concerned about like, we want to, we think the Bible is concerned about, about heaven and hell. We want to make it about heaven and hell, but really the story of the Bible is concerned about heaven and earth, right? God's space, human space. They're meant to be, you know, overlapped and one in the same. The story of scripture is how do we get back to that? Right. Like these other like little sidebars about, you know, heaven as we think of it, like someplace in the clouds and hell is this fiery place underground. Like, Scripture doesn't even really talk about that at all. Right. Um, <laughs> That's stuff yet that we've, we've put in there. And we've made it so central to our Christian faith and to the w- Christian worldview yeah. that for you to have a digris- disagreement on uh, one of the you know, the aspects of, or one of the views of hell, then people lab- label you a heretic. Right. And it's like, no, the Bible really isn't that concerned. If it was, it would tell us exactly how it right. is. And so we have freedom uh, of choice whenever it comes to our understanding of hell. It's like the biblical authors, like they'll mention it in passing. They're like, yeah, don't worry about that. That's not important. That's right. not what I'm trying to communicate. Um, right. and, and like you said, like we've made it all about that. Um, the whole idea, like I think a lot of people outside of the faith think this about Christianity. I think a lot of Christians think this about Christianity, that it's like, well, I need to ask Jesus into my heart, ask mm-hmm. him to forgive me, whatever, put my faith in him so that my sins will be forgiven yeah, my phone just dinged. I hope everybody heard that. So my sins will be forgiven so that I can go to the good place, heaven, instead of the bad place, hell. Right. And that is just a complete just misrepresentation. If you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? Um, you know, that question as well just frames the, the, the good news about Jesus in the wrong manner. Yeah. Because Jesus isn't concerned about that. He's about his kingdom coming. Yep. Okay. So... Yeah, that's that's where we have to start from. The story of Scripture, right? It's about, in Genesis, God's space, human space, heaven and earth, they mm-hmm. were overlapped. They were in one and the same. Humanity's like, nah, we want to do this our own way. Creates a division between you the two spaces. <laughs> All throughout Scripture then, throughout the story, we see overlaps of God's space and human space coming back together um, through the tabernacle, through the temple, and then ultimately through the person of Jesus. Right. And the story concludes with heaven and earth being reunited again right that's that's the story and so hell's kind of like the side little topic that gets mentioned here or there although we make it to be like it's everywhere so let's talk about some of the images and what is talked about um in scripture right first of all this may come to a shock for a lot of people the concept of hell as being like some eternal place that's bad it's not in the old testament anywhere no like they have no concept of heaven or hell they really have no concept of like the afterlife, as we would think of it, like eternal life, everybody in the Old Testament goes to Sheol. It basically just means it's the grave. Yep. It's the everybody ground. goes down to the grave. Everybody, good people, bad people, they're all just in Sheol. <laughs> um, and we don't really have a good English equivalent, I guess, for that concept, which is why I think in the King James, at least like the old like 1611 version, they may have updated it since then. I don't know. I don't ever really read the King James Bible. But um, in the Old Testament, passages where the word Sheol occurred, they translated it as hell. Right. And so it was like, well, wait a minute. That's not, that's not helpful for us. No, <laughs> newer translations have translated it as the grave. The I grave. Know. I will go down to the grave. The translations that I read have it as the grave. Yeah. I think it's like uh, in the story of, um, of like Joseph and when his dad thinks that he's dead, he's like, no, I will, I will go down to Sheol. I'll go down to the grave mourning, weeping, you know, with him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, yeah, it's just the ground. That's where everybody goes. So we can kind of take the idea of hell, just eliminate it from all of our like 
Old Testament ideas because that's it's not there as we think of it. And when we read in the Old Testament about like, um, you know, the, the day of the Lord and God's judgment and bringing fire and those things, we need to separate that from our understanding of what hell is because, right. again, to the Jewish people who are writing this, who are reading this, that's not what they were thinking. <laughs> they were thinking about God's justice coming on the nations, on Israel's oppressors at the time, on mm-hmm. Babylon, on Assyria. Um, so, yeah, coming into the New Testament, Paul, doesn't Jesus talk about hell? Yeah, everybody oh. knows that. What do, you, what do you mean? Like, what is he saying? What is Jesus saying about hell? Yes. Not what we make him say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very true. So, like, what are some of the common, and we can do a little thought experiment if you're listening to this, when you read maybe Jesus teaching about hell or you even say hell as you think about how Scripture describes it, what image pops into your mind? I mean, you always think of fire and what you were taught. Fire, fire, fire. But Jesus doesn't use the word for hell. He uses Gehenna. Yes. uh, Which is actually like a physical location in Israel. I've seen it. Um, I've been there. (laughs) It it was the garbage dump. Yeah. Kind of uh, where there was fires, burning trash. There was flies and worms eating stuff rotting just, stuff just a nasty nasty place which it was kind of funny whenever i was in israel our tour guide as we were going past gehenna um there were people walking through the valley of gehenna mm-hmm. <laughs> and the tour guide little jewish guy he's like just laughed he's like look at all those people walking through hell <laughs> if you're going through hell it was just yeah. funny yeah and, th- and that valley too has such significant meaning in the in Israel's history, so as Jesus is talking to these Jewish people, that the Valley of Gehenna was the Valley of um, Ben Hinnom, I mm-hmm. think, in, in the Old Testament, and it's like this picture, really, of the pinnacle of the nation of Israel's just evil and their worship of foreign gods, where they would sacrifice their children in the fire to like the god Molech. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus talks about it, he's like, "Yeah, you remember like just the worst thing that that Israel did, and and these false gods and these other nations and gods." Again, his judgment upon that because God is just and righteous. So those are the images um, that Jesus is trying to call forward in his original audience's mind. Right. It's not little red devils and demons with pitchforks <laughs> and flames. That's torturous. Yeah. You know, that's not even in the Bible. No. That's a, a remnant of the Middle Ages of Dante's Inferno. Yeah, a, um, a whole bunch of medieval artwork. And for some reason, that's what's stuck in right. people's minds. <laughs> little, you know, yeah demons and pitchforks and red guys and flames and um, the whole idea like but j- just think about this though so we're talking understand that whenever the, the biblical authors talk about hell they're using images to communicate something right and so Jesus talks about Gehenna and it brings to mind just the atrocities in the nation's past and how God will you know he'll, he'll judge that because he won't stand for that evil right. and, and then they use images of fire right well what does fire represent in scripture? Cleansing, purification. Cleansing, purification. So again, it's this idea of God, I'm going to purify my, my good earth and get rid of all this toxic stuff that's here. And then they use images of darkness to talk about hell. And mm-hmm. that kind of signifies, okay, it's a separation from God and God's goodness. And, and so if, because people want to make that to be literal, if those are literal descriptions, riddle me this. How can you have fire and utter darkness at the same time? 
it's, it's a weird paradox. <laughs> like fire makes light. <laughs> make fire, make light. You know what I mean? <laughs> so the, the, one of the things we have to understand is this is, uh, this is like imagery to communicate something greater of, okay, you're talking about God purifying. You're talking about separation from God. Jesus is referencing this, this place that represents just kind of the pinnacle of evil um, to, to the Jewish people. And it's just a garbage dump. It's just, it's all this imagery. But because that's been taken literal and because um, of in the Middle Ages, Dante's Inferno, the artwork that would accompany that, um, that's been taken to be very much a, a literal kind of thing. And we've come to what I would say is the popular view. And it's what most people think when they think hell, eternal conscious torment or right. ect that you're going to be live forever you're going to be tortured and burned um just forever and ever for eternity yeah like and so in order to avoid that you've got to get saved yes um and that that's see that's the issue that, that people have a problem with. it's that view of hell the mm-hmm. eternal conscious torment forever and ever you're being burned or tormented or tortured or or whatever that looks like and and they're like well, okay so because this is another argument, is like, well, why would, again, a good, a loving, a just God punish somebody eternally for a finite, like, temporary sin? Right. Like, okay, even if I just, I, I literally was just evil, and I sinned my entire, like, 80 years existence, but, like, an eternal um, punishment for that. And, just, and, and it's, not just, it's not just punishment. It's, like, torture, right? It's right. like, God's kind of like, he doesn't seem good. He seems kind of, like, sadistic. Um, and I would agree with that. <laughs> that is, it is a, it is a bad look for God. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of on one extreme is the eternal conscious torment. And I would say, while well, this is, I would say this is what the majority of Christians hold to, at least in the West, but they don't know why they hold to that. Just because somebody told them that's what hell is. Right. Um, and even it's popularized in, in movies and cartoons and stuff. Right. We've taken and so it just, just reinforces that idea that that's what hell is. Yeah. When there's very little scriptural evidence for that. Right. I mean, think about the time whenever Dante wrote the Inferno. Um, the church was in great power, control. And what did that do? Yeah. That scared people into trusting the, trusting church, the church, allowing them to be controlled by the church right. for the church to exact you know, money from people. Yeah, you don't want to uh, go to hell and just and do all kinds of atrocities. Yeah, yeah, you can you can pay your way out of hell to pay prevent your yourself. Yeah, yeah, to prevent yourself from going there. Um, or if you don't, well, there's that fiery place with little red devils. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy that that still exists today. That yeah. idea. And there's, like you said, there's not really scriptural evidence for it. Um, and we're going to kind of get into what we think, and not just us, but like lots of. A lot of biblical scholars think there's probably a, a better view of what, you know, hell. I, I don't even like that term. <laughs> um, what a better view of that would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just kind of saying right now, we, we very much reject the eternal conscious torment view. Uh, we don't think there's good scriptural evidence for it. So if that's the reason why you said, I like, I can't do Christianity because I can't believe in a good and loving God who would just eternally like torment and torture people. Um, good news. We don't think that's how God actually is. And there's a lot of evidence to back that up. Right. So 
first, I'd encourage you to uh, to do a little reading yourself, but also encourage you to reject eternal, eternal conscious torment. Yes, very much so. Um, so that's that would be the one extreme, uh, is eternal conscious torment. Now, you have something all the way on the other extreme um, that is known as, like, universalism. Um, not, like, not universalism in the, in the idea that all roads lead to God, but universalism as in everybody is going to end up getting into heaven. Right. God's grace and the blood of Jesus is so powerful. Right. That ultimately, I mean, there's even like, that even after you die, like in the next life, you'll have an opportunity to accept Jesus. Right. And there are definitely some passages that would support that position. In yeah. fact, there's more passages to support that position than there are the eternal conscious torment position. Right. So there's a handful of passages that support eternal conscious torment. There's a handful of passages that would support a universalism kind of view. There are a ton of passages that support this other view we're going to talk about and also kind of the broader narrative of, of the biblical story would fit into this. Um, and it's called um, annihilationism is sometimes how it's referred to or like terminal punishment, that there is kind of a, a period of yeah, like evil has to be paid for. There has right. to be a sense of justice, but it does not continue on forever and ever and ever. Um, so in a nutshell, this would be the view that uh, for those who have rejected God and in the, in the age to come, in the life to come, like at some point they just cease to exist, just like gone. Uh, it's not eternal punishment. It's like, here's your punishment, and it's finite. Like, you don't get to come back from that and say, oh, I changed my mind. I want to be, you know, part of the new heaven and new earth, hanging right. out with Jesus now. Like, you're just done. Done. It's gone. <laughs> that's why they get the term, like, annihilationism. Right. Um, and it, it holds the view then, because it, it, it holds the view that you know, evil has to be punished. So hell is real, um, and it is a separation from God. It's that idea of darkness. I no longer have access to God and his goodness and um, his source of life, and we're going to get to that. So there is a punishment, but it comes to an end at some point. Uh, and that people who, again, who, who've made the choice, because that's the thing, too. Like, God isn't pigeonholing anybody into uh, following him. And so people who uh, have made the decision to say, no, I, I, don't, I don't want God, he honors that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that road leads somewhere, but ultimately that separation, it ends, right? right. It's like, okay, it's done. And you, yeah. Cause yeah. I think, it, I think yeah. it's like C.S. Lewis. I think he quoted like, uh, hell is, is what people decide like as a choice. I don't know how he phrased it. And so now I regret even bringing it like, up. I feel like you had that, Did quote, I have that somewhere. quote somewhere. Yep. I don't know. In the long run, the answer to those who object to the doctrine of hell is itself a question. What is it that they're asking God to do? To wipe out past sins at a, in total cost to give them a fresh start? He did that on the cross. To forgive them, but they don't want forgiveness. To leave them alone, that's what hell is. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and to those whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Yeah. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, it wouldn't be hell. Right. People say, okay, God, leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with you. And he says, okay, that's fine. Um, and so it's that idea of separation from God, God honoring our decision for that, which is a very loving thing to do. Say, like, I'm not going to impose myself or force myself upon you. Um, but I'm not going to keep you alive just to eternally conscious torment you. Right. Um, so, yeah, anni- the annihilation perspective is um, basically terminal punishment. It ends. It's not forever. Um 
it, it means you know that the the act is the the end the end result is final it's not eternal punishment yeah. um and it goes back to this idea that that we got wrong whenever we open up the pages of the bible i mean i was taught this as a kid mm-hmm. that people by nature you know we are immortal that when we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and bad then that's when death entered um but that's not the bible doesn't say that because that's like a shocking statement for some people paul right can you just repeat that like so the idea that without us eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and bad that if we had not done that then we would live forever we just make that assumption and we teach kids that but the bible never ever says that People are not immortal by nature. No, in fact, it says that we are made from the dust, that we are made from mortality. Humans are mortal. Humans are mortal. They're not immortal. There was the tree of life, which was the solution to our mortality. <laughs> if if we're immortal, why do we need why does there need to be a tree of life in the garden? Exactly. <laughs> and the, then the justice of God comes in. The Punishment. punishment because he didn't want us to eat from the tree of life and exist in that fallen state yeah. forever. I I had never heard that until like, I don't know, a couple years ago. Like, it, being in and around church my entire life, it's like the grace of God in that moment to say, okay, you have now brought just like destruction and evil and pain. And I love you too much to allow you to exist in that right. forever. So, sorry, you don't get the tree of life now because that would mean you existing eternally in this horrible state. I was like, oh my goodness, how am I 20-some years old, right. grown up in this Christian culture, and like no one has ever pointed that out? And then the, the rest of the biblical narrative is just this beautiful story of God trying to undo uh, that, that decision and get us to trust in him as the divine wisdom, as the way that leads to life, as that tree. Yeah. Um, and to ultimately bring us to the grand design that he had for us, which was to live with him in perfect unity um, in God's space and human space uh, united. Yeah. Um, life, eternal life, is a gift that God gives. Right. It was available to Adam and Eve. That's a whole other can of worms. But to Adam and Eve through the tree of life. And when they lose it, like, the, the story plays out of God trying to get back to that point, and now there's a new tree, the cross. There's a new way that God offers life to people mm-hmm. through the person of Jesus. And just like, okay, taking and uh, eating the fruit from the tree of life, you you partake in Jesus. You know, he talks about, you know, this is, eat, my, eat my flesh, drink my blood, like that imagery of consume me. And then you get all the way to Revelation, new heavens, new earth. What's there again? tree the tree trees in the center and the nations come and eat of this tree so again we have access to the life that god offers it's like it's a beautiful story it is a lot more compelling than ask jesus into your heart so you go to the good place instead of the bad place right (laughs) and it brings to light this idea then it's like okay so if if hell is my decision to say god i don't want anything to do with you i want to be separate from you and God loves us enough to honor that decision to say, that's fine, that's your decision, but if you are separate from me, you are separate from the source of life. Right. If you're separate from the source of life, you cannot exist eternally being tortured. Like, the only way that works is for, for God to keep people, like, keep giving them a source of eternal life so that he could punish them eternally. And 
there is nowhere in scripture that would support that view or that no. kind of a God. No. And I think the, the annihilationist perspective uh, challenges a lot of people because it seems like new thinking and it's not new thinking. Um, but it is for a lot of people. And I think the, one of the reasons why people reject it is because with the eternal conscious torment perspective, you can lever, like try to leverage you know, hell and punishment um, to get people to, to follow Jesus. I use follow really loosely because... There's, there were air quotes there for those Right, because maybe you, know, you grew up in the church and you went to that youth event and... You know, it was scared you and they following. scared you into following Jesus, but then you're like five, ten years down the road and you're not really following him because it wasn't really about following Jesus. It was about trying to get you to make that one time decision, um, which, again, uh, we're going to unpack this in an upcoming sermon series. That's not what the good news about Jesus is. That's about the good news is about Jesus is his kingdom coming to earth, us being part of that kingdom. Um, the effects of sin and evil being reversed in this world. But I think a lot of people want to hold on to that perspective because it gives them a card to play over people. It gives them some sort of a control that they can try to, to scare people into following Jesus. And if you take that away, they don't know how to get people to follow Jesus. Yeah. Because it's all about heaven or hell. It's not about God's kingdom and the beauty of that kingdom coming. Right, the old you know, evangelism technique, knock on somebody's door. If you were to die tonight, do you know, like, where would you go? And it's like, okay, because what what is that ultimately? It's like, we want to make you afraid that you're going to be in hell forever. Um, So, yeah, the annihilationist view eliminates that, but it it seems to be a lot more true to the biblical story, the biblical narrative. And so then, um, for those whose faith is in Christ— you get to experience the new heaven, the new earth, those two space, like God's space come down. It's the picture of the city coming down and God dwelling here again. And we get to enjoy that and be a part of that. Right. Um, and, you know, for those that reject that message and for, or for those that maybe never got an opportunity to hear that message or whatever that looks like, yeah, you, you're going to miss out on the glory and the goodness of God for eternity, but you're also not going to be like punished forever and ever because like there's this picture that, you know, hell exists. Again, I use that term loosely outside of that city in revelation. It's outside of God's space. And so it's outside of God's goodness. Yep. Yeah. So no matter where you land, um, just know that there is some evidence for it. Um, there's limited evidence for to this perspectives yes. and much more evidence for uh, the other perspective. Um, but we challenge you to, if you walked away from the faith because of your view of hell or what somebody told you hell is, um, and the fact that you couldn't reconcile a good and loving God with hell, then maybe what you were taught about hell was wrong. And so I'd encourage you to, to maybe reconsider uh, the good news of Jesus and of his kingdom and to perhaps begin just following him. You don't have to believe everything that Jesus believed. Just begin following him and see what he does. Okay, that's a wrap on today's episode. Tune back in next week. That's right. Make sure you subscribe, that you like, that you share this podcast, and that you leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.